From Editor-at-Large, this is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. I hope you'll join me. You're probably listening to this podcast because you love the design industry. It's full of great stories, personalities, beauty, and soul. It's also changing quickly and needs to evolve or risk being diminished. Our sponsor, Fuego, is building tools to protect and preserve it. Go to fuego.com boh and enter the code boh to get a free month of their project management software and join the conversation at fuego.com. And now, on with the show. My guest this week is Gene Brownhill. Gene is the founder and CEO of Sweeten. Sweeten is a matchmaking service for those looking to find a great general contractor. And shortly, Jean is going to tell us her own story of what can happen when you hire the wrong contractor. Jean, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to have you here, and I have been eager to speak with you about Sweeten and everything that's going on for the business. But I wanted to start by having you explain for us how you got started in architecture, and I I know that starts at Cooper Union here in New York. Yeah, yeah. Well, it actually started uh, when my mother found the uh, College for Dummies book. I don't know if you remember those those yellow and black books. An instruction manual (laughs) for all of us. Yeah, and um, she found that Cooper Union was free, and we had no money for me to go to college. I grew up in New London, Connecticut, and we did not have any money saved for me to go to college, but it was a uh, requirement that I did, <laughs> which is strange. That was your mother feeling yeah, that, that was way. My you're mother. Absolutely, yeah, you're going to college. Absolutely... Money or no money. Exactly. Okay. Good and for her. And so she found Cooper Union, and Cooper Union was free, completely free at the time. Isn't and that amazing? so okay. uh, I was very good at math and, and art class. And so she and my guidance counselor decided that I was going to go to architecture school because <laughs> Cooper Union offered it. It was free. Right. And you're good at math and art. So naturally, you're going to be an architect. You're going to be math, an architect. Math and art. Yeah. Nailed it. Okay. And, you know, as the, the universe works out, I actually I did love it. I did... Um, I happened to be like a very spatial person. I was always that kid who was like redecorating their room. Were you? Yeah. I just didn't understand that, like what an architect did. And I still think a lot of people don't understand what architects or interior designers do. Um, But yeah, I, I, it was a, it was a, like a gift. And, And certainly it was a gift to have five years of education, architectural education for free. Yeah. That, what an incredible thing. And it's an amazing school with such prestige and in the industry. So you come out of Cooper Union. So five years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Five years slumped over a drafting table. <laughs> <laughs> I was drafting on uh, ink on mylar for anybody who uh, still knows how to draft. Wow. It was okay. hard, hardcore hand drawing and drafting the whole time. Well, so, and and in Cooper Union, what did they tell you architecture was all about? What did they tell you architects did every day? That is such a great question. You know, I think that architectural education is actually not the best prep for being an architect. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Five years and it turns out it wasn't even preparing Well, it's a great education, a great general education, and it's definitely a great education to get you to think extremely critical and to really understand problem solving. And it's a wonderful education. But the act of being an architect, you know, so here you are, you're in school, you're like 
reading about Deleuze and like just you're you're way off in the atmosphere just like <laughs> dreaming about what the world could be right and yes we had and, and Cooper is actually very good in the fact that they have five years of structures class five year like you are hardcore in the details of building construction mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. In, in structures class but when you graduate they sit you down at a desk and you're like drafting tiles <laughs> like I drew like I don't know how many bathrooms I've drawn in my life <laughs> yeah I mean that's the real life yeah right? that's that, the real life you yeah. sit there and draft and I drafted for five years straight essentially I, by this time it was an AutoCAD okay for um, folks who may remember uh, release 14 that's that's the one I was the best at okay and yeah it's just it was a, a ton of drafting and, and that's very different than um, the experience of being in architecture school. And so... Where you thought you were going to be building things yeah, and I think dreaming the design, of visionary I, spaces created by your hand. Yeah, I think like yeah. places like IDEO and, and others have kind of co-opted this idea of like design thinking. But right. that's really what architecture school teaches you. Okay. The thing is, is that when you are a practicing architect, that's like maybe maybe five to ten percent of the job all the rest is all the rest is sitting there and working on autocad is sitting working on autocad measuring spaces walking through spaces and don't get me wrong like i love i still it's one of the things i miss today i I really miss the smell when you walk into a job site of like freshly sanded drywall right i love that smell but We'll have to make a candle of that. Oh, my gosh. Freshly sanded drywall. Who, if anyone who is listening Diptyque, to this. get on that. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, the job of being an architect is very different than the architectural education. So that's what you discovered after yeah. you, after you yeah. left Cooper Union with your big ideas and your head held high, and yeah. you went to actually work for two different architects, mm-hmm. yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. And spent most of your time drafting. And then what? The last architecture firm I worked for, they did we did houses in the Hamptons, and and you know I was working at like a very high level doing beautiful, beautiful houses. In fact, um, the last house I worked on, we worked with Coleman and Kravis. Oh, okay. so we're talking, you know, it was yeah. like, oh, this mantelpiece is five hundred, you know, uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Let's uh, no, we're not going to use it. Put it in the back. It's like <laughs> this was just a tester. Yeah, that was a <laughs> test. So it was a and very high level project. Very, very. Yes. And yes. it was great because I got to learn how to really build. I got to, you know, houses at that level. Mm. I mean, they're basically like 10,000 square foot pieces of furniture, right? Like right. every corner is built and rebuilt and it's perfect. And it just, you get such a great level of craft and it was amazing. But it just wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't the customer that I was meant to serve, if okay. that makes sense. Okay. It just wasn't. And you felt that way. I really did. I really, I, I learned so much, but it just wasn't, like, I didn't even know what an architect or interior designer was when I was growing up. Like, Well, that wasn't <laughs> in your world, right? It was totally so why, not in my world. Why would you have known? Totally not in my world. So I really had this desire. I wanted to, like, I don't know, just, like, get, come, come back down. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if that, if that makes sense. And. And I wanted to do projects that were faster. I wanted to do, just like understand the broader business world. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting a job at Coach, the okay. handbag company, right? working in their store design uh, group. So I worked in their traditional architecture group. I don't know if most people know this, but 
any of the big brands have in-house architects that work there to help them with their fleet of stores. Sure. So I was one of those, you know, and it was awesome. I got to learn about, you know, global business and, and how other people think about kind of architecture and space and design and like how it relates to brand and how it relates, you know, to like the durability of a retail space is a really different thing to internalize. Yeah. And, and it was awesome. It was, it was, it was really fantastic. It was also, however, not quite the right customer yet for okay. me, for, okay. for what I wanted to be working on. And it wasn't until I, I bought a house in bed Brooklyn and it needed a full gut renovation. Of course, by this time, you know, I had a, like a corporate salary so I could afford to buy a I house. I was going to say, <laughs> we're buying a little house in Brooklyn. So you've stepped up in the world. Okay. Yeah. I often, I often, yeah, I think about what I made my first year of being a drafts person in architecture. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Ooh. So it turns out working for a handbag company was much more oh my financially God. rewarding. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. No. So. Huh. Bought a house, okay. and I... But keeping it real in Bed-Stuy, okay. Yeah, actually, I, that house was so amazing. It was one of the very few wood frame houses left in Bedford-Stuyvesant. It had not really been renovated, like a couple of like little DIY projects and stuff, but it was, it was awesome. Okay. It was like such a great project, and I was so excited. And actually, I should just back up for one second, because there's one piece of the story that, to make all of this make sense... At Coach, the and it really is kind of the way that I was able to buy the house, I ended up winning the Chairman's Award, which got me a bonus and a raise and a promotion. And gotcha. I got the Chairman's Award from, okay. from Lou Frank- Frankfurt, who was the CEO at the time, right. because of websites that I had developed. So even though I was hired as a traditional architect, mm-hmm. I went to my boss, I asked him if I could you know, get certified or build us a website to help make our construction group and our architecture group more efficient. He said, yes, I went and I got certified in information architecture. Okay. And so website building. Um, it's very similar to being an architect in the sense that you understand the program right? and then you draw it out, okay. but you don't actually build it. Okay. And so in the very, it's like exactly the same role, except the plans that you're making mm-hmm are for a web developer to build. So you're passing this off to someone, mm-hmm. but you're drawing out everything that you're going to need, yep. all of the information that it has to contain. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. Okay. So I did that. I I think still in use today. It was Coach very... Coach is still using it. I think to so. This day. <laughs> okay. Well, so it was a very a, successful a to, to platform it, the, from the day that it was launched. I think the next... Maybe like a week later, I got a call from someone because the, the site, we had taken it down for like some maintenance and somebody called me they're like, this site can't be down. This is critical to my business operation. This, and I was like, whoa, this thing was just in my head six months ago. Yes. <laughs> so, you, you can't complain about this. Yeah. Barely even used it. So you were sort of, the, the website was tracking sort of all of the internal operations of, of the build out of all these stores for, for Coach. Is that sort of what for it better, was? For, yeah, kind of. Okay. I mean, it was essentially a way in which we could centralize the information about our fleet of stores okay. and keep it in a language and in a location where everybody could read it and get to it. Got it. Okay. So 
Uh, it helped with our internal, like our visual merchandising team, like just pretty much every business right. group. So overnight, everyone came to depend on this website that five minutes ago they didn't even have. <laughs> yeah. And so suddenly the guy calls you and he's like, wait, it's down. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Chairman award or no chairman award. Yeah, exactly. Let's get it together here. So so I had this kind of data point from work that like, wow, I might be good at this like website, like thinking about like very useful websites and how to build them. Okay. Okay. So. So this is the first light bulb. This, sort this of goes is the off. first one. I was like, okay. oh, cool. Good. Then I got the chairman. So, so when was this? So you get the chairman award. What year is that? That's two thousand and two thousand five, maybe. Yeah. We'll go with the mid two thousand. Mid two thousand. Right. Sure. Okay. <laughs> then take some of that money. We buy this house. Right. Needs a full renovation. Okay. Extremely challenging process. So I. And I always say I hired the wrong general contractor. Mm. I do not think it was the general contractor's fault. Right. I did exactly what I've always told clients not to do. I chose the cheapest guy. All is that the, right? You just oh, yeah. went with the lowest bid yeah. and said, oh, oh I did, I did we'll the, make like, it work. Yeah. I'm an architect. I'm an architect. Ah, I, I can do this. Do this. In my... <laughs> Got it. Ah. No problem. Okay. With a full-time job and with like, yeah. No so you were still working at Coach. Yep. And you're taking on this big renovation yep. project, and you've hired the low-bid contractor <laughs> yeah. to help you with the project. Yeah. Okay. That, and just you and the contractor, because you're, you're... Uh, so I hired a friend who is a licensed architect okay. to... Obviously, we had to permit it. We had mm-hmm. to do... But yeah, I I hired the wrong general contractor. Yes. You are owning this, and yes, I'm, I'm, I'm so owning it. proud of you for doing this, Jean. Yes. I feel like this is like so. a really nice... Yeah. Moment. <laughs> I, I, I do too, and I'm glad to be here for that. So you hired the wrong contractor, and so yeah. so what does that mean? What what really happened? So when did you know you had hired the wrong contractor? Oh, oh, like a month in. A month it was in. Pretty, okay, it's pretty obvious. I mean, okay. the I have come to realize that even though I had the industry knowledge, I had been working as an arch, as an architect for so many years. Right. I still fell into the trap of as soon as you get to the other side and you're the homeowner and it's your dollars, because there's such, and and again, I had information, but because there's not a real standard, because there's not, there are such price discrepancies, because Mm -hmm. it is unclear the trade-offs that you are making. Right. I did the same thing as as so many homeowners when it comes to their own money. And it was my own money. And I was like, yeah. I I worked so hard and uh, you know hundred thousand dollars or whatever our total budget ended up right, being. Right, I'm sure it was a big amount of money. It, it was, was a, a gut renovation. It was of a, a huge yeah. amount of money. Okay. And so now I completely understand at a much more granular level, like kind of the market breakdowns and like how how the lack of transparency, how the lack of like even the the regulatory bodies of like the DOB, they don't help us to understand like or to set like proper expectations right right so when you know I, I give this example you can buy a shirt from macy's Saks, bergdorf and it can be the same exact shirt but you know that you're going to be getting different levels of service you're going to be getting a different customer experience right. you might right and we you know the trade-offs you're making that is not what happens when you're choosing a general contractor. You are not getting the same shirt. You are not getting the same level of customer experience or customer service. You are not getting the same documentation. Or it's it's people think that it's been commoditized to yes. the point where you get 
the same thing. And it's just, it's but just even not. today, that's not the case. No. And so at no. this time, so how did you, so how did you, so Sweeten didn't exist. Yeah. So how did you go and find a, a general contractor? What was the process I you did, went through? I went online like everyone. I, the, at the time there was a couple of companies that existed that I used. Uh, I asked my neighbors. I did online, offline research. I did all the things. Okay. I did all the, the standard word of mouth referrals and research. So somebody recommended this contractor yep. that you ended yep. up hiring. And he would have been a fine, he was he was a, a fine contractor right. for a different project. Okay. He was not the right contractor for my project. So he didn't know how to do a house or he didn't? He was way in over his head. Way in over his head. Okay. And he, and he wasn't able to tell you that? He did try to tell me in the he beginning. Did. Okay. He did. He said I would, he would need to sub out certain parts of the work and that okay. he wasn't. Got they it. can tell you okay. right to your face. Sure. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> and you can still convince yourself. And you'll say, oh, no, it'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we heard, oh, well, I'll just go with my cousin's brother's nephew's friend. Mm. <laughs> Never a good idea. Never, Never a, good a good idea. idea. Okay, so fast forward, you realize you've hired the wrong contractor, yeah. and now what do you do? So, you know, the the short version that often gets told, and I think a lot of businesses have this same phenomena, they compress what was like years of ideation yes. <laughs> and pain yes. into, oh, and then I founded Sweeten. Right. And then Sweeten came out fully formed. <laughs> I had a bad experience and then I made everything better. Yeah, that's, yes. that I would love if I could go back and redo. That's, no. that's just not. No. So it took, I had to finish the house, right. obviously. I And you, had, you got involved at that yeah, point, Yeah, so right? I ended up so, GCing okay. the end of the project to get it you done. You did, okay. Yep. Um, to get it all done. Yep. Okay. And I, again, so I had the skill set at work of building websites. I kind of, kind of always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. Even at Coach, I had been kind of like what they call an intrapreneur, you know, making new projects. Or Got it. Okay. Yeah, I know. I didn't know that word either. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I, I just started feeling like, wow, I'm I screwed this up. I'm sure other people are screwing this up. Right. And maybe I could help them by really getting to the the core of what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And now at first. When I first started reading about it or thinking about it, I went really, really like nerdy, hardcore into the economics of like market failures and why markets fail. And it was like, I went super far down this path. Okay. Interesting. Extremely technical. Yeah. And I was like, look, you can see like there are so many, uh, there are so many signs that this is a failed market and there's. I would write these blog posts about signaling. There are these certain like aspects of a failed market that you can see through signaling. Anyway, blah, so, so what was blah, the blah blah blah? <laughs> Sounds Just like riveting. Right now, nobody so. cared. <laughs> so anyway, so and I was like, wait, this is so interesting. So I went down this very okay. long path, okay. and then I was like, oh wait. I just want to help people. Right. Let's just go back to that. Like, yes. how do, how can I yes. help a person I've had a bad trying experience. to do How can their... I spare someone going through this exactly. themselves? Okay. Exactly. Okay. And, and from there, you know, I had done, so I did this like very technical academic thing, which ultimately ended up fine. I 
got a Loeb Fellowship at the Graduate School of Design. I like... Right. Okay, now let's not just gloss over that, <laughs> okay? That's a massive achievement in your life. Let's just stop right there okay. and explain to our listeners, Harvard University has a program, the Loeb Fellowship. Yeah, so it's an yes. incredible uh, fellowship that is for uh, practitioners who are really transforming the built environment. So you have to be someone who is actively working. You you actually don't have an, ac- you're, they would like you not to have an academic background, mm-hmm. but be someone who is deeply curious and wants more academic information to help a very tactical pursuit. So that's, I was like right at that moment. Right. And uh, yeah, about 200 people get nominated for it a year and nine people get it and they, it's, it's kind of a racket. It's kind of awesome. They give you the keys to Harvard and say, like, yes. go take you, whatever class right. that you want, do whatever you You get want. full access to yeah. Harvard. Yeah. And and all you have to do, basically, is is commit to sort of helping to make the world a better place, right? Yeah. In in the end. Yeah. So you, <laughs> you convince them that you're working on this project. Yeah. Right? So I had, so I had launched two versions of what we'll call Sweeten okay. before this. And they were both, again, they were very technical, very academic. Like the impulse was there. I just didn't know how to execute it. I didn't know how, I didn't understand. When I was at Coach, I had a captive audience. They right. had to use the tools that I made. Right. So I knew that I could make tools that people would use. Okay. The parts that I didn't realize that I was missing, the skill set that I was missing, is that you have to convince people in the real world they're not captive to, to go and use your site <laughs> yeah. and actually care it's about what like, you're doing. Yeah. Like, it's um, uh, after you know your mom uses it uh, or your neighbors and you conjole them, then like the first 10 people, everybody, all of us have 10 people that we hopefully have built enough of a relationship we can get them to use it. Right. It's when you start getting to a hundred and a thousand, it gets really hard, right? Because you have to be able to speak to people where they are. You have to be able to communicate. I mean, people who understand marketing and branding and sales, they really deeply get this, but that wasn't my background. Right. And so I had to go through the painful steps of being like, you idiot. Like, what are you, like, stop talking (laughs) about it like that. (laughs) Nobody. So so in the beginning, what were you saying Sweeten was? Was it actually Sweeten in the very beginning? Uh, No, we had a bunch of different names. So So, what were you you trying to explain to people you were doing? Oh, if I, you're going to fall asleep. No, well. Okay. Well, I would talk about the fact that there was an information asymmetry. And that was You're the, kidding. Oh, no. I, it's like, I'm dead serious. <laughs> like, this was, it was a mess. So you were looking at this problem when you were... T- totally technically. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you weren't just saying to people, wow, I'm going to help you find <laughs> no, a great contract. No, because I didn't... Because my background, right, even though I deeply... You're so analytical. Yeah. It was like, it was not good. Yeah. Not good. Okay. I don't talk about it like that anymore. <laughs> I see. I watched people's <laughs> yes. eyes glaze you over. learned. Oh, you're right. Right? Okay. I mean... I still love reading about that stuff. I right. still love thinking about right. uh, economic systems. I'm not like the best at it, or I'm certainly not going to get a PhD in economics or anything, but it's very similar to me to architecture, right? Okay. These structures that you put in place, and then 
you know, watching the flows of whether it's money or information or power right. go through them and the end results, like it all feels very similar to me. But uh, yeah, you can't, you can't convince people who don't know you or like you to <laughs> use anything yeah. Yeah. or trust you if you're like, yes, here's, you should read this book about, Benjamin Graham's book on like uh, really yeah. on on value investing yeah okay, yeah, okay. Like, in the, like here's here and this relates to get hiring the right contractor how exactly it, trust me it was a mess. my goodness it's a miracle this company even got it was, started it was Jean. it had so I had all the right <sighs> motives I just okay. didn't know how to talk about it and I see it now. I see so many entrepreneurs, they'll start from the place of strength that they're good at and right. want to go into business. Right. And inevitably, there is some part that they are just not giving its real value. So if they're an engineer, they devalue the marketing. If they're marketing, they devalue the engineering. If they're you know, design, they don't think that the like right. strategic planning to really really be good you have to equally value all of it and have uh, uh the ability to understand how all those at least from my seat mm -hmm. how those pieces connect okay and okay why they're important. well so what was the what was the talk that you were giving at the time so so part of how the whole yeah. Loeb fellowship yeah. came along right was was somebody heard you give a, a sort of a, a regular speech that I gather you were giving yeah. at the time yeah. hopefully it wasn't nearly as confusing as what we've just been discussing <laughs> hopefully this speech was resonating with people so what um, were you, what were you talking about at the time it it was similar though in okay. the sense that we were I was talking about the disruptive power of the internet okay on hierarchical creative industries and so I gave journalism oh, as uh, an example no, I'm sure that was a great and music yeah. as an example and uh -huh. I said Basically, the internet is coming for architecture. The, in right. the internet is coming for interior design. Yes. And people who care about these things should be part of the creation of the structures. Okay. So you were trying to talk to your colleagues at the yes. time. Yes? yes. You saw this coming, yes. the internet. Yes. Which... I mean, it was like 2000. <laughs> like, so did everybody else. Yes. But you, <laughs> but you saw it especially clearly. <laughs> And you wanted to, and you wanted to share this with your colleagues that yes. you thought this was going to play a major role in where that where the industry and the world was was headed. Yes. And so something that you said, hopefully not about Benjamin Graham and value investing. <laughs> he was but in there, so I mean, something, I can't I can't think so. of. I, maybe he's just on my mind. I'm. Oh, I'm, oh because you're headed off to. I'm to going Berkshire to Berkshire Hathaway. Hathaway. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. So maybe it's just on my That's mind. That's right. You're going to be with, with Warren Buffett. I get it. So uh, so Ben Graham, he's, uh, his, his mentor, is on so your mind. So it resonated with a person who had been okay. a Loeb Fellow yes. and has since become my mentor. Got it. And she, and she said, also deeply cares about you know the shape of our city, the shape of our environment, the impact that that has on all of our health, all of, just well-being, everything. Okay. And she actually ran down the subway stairs after I gave the talk and grabbed me and was like, do you know about the Love Fellowship? I want to nominate you. I had never met this woman. 
You never met this woman, never, and she said, never. "I want to nominate you for a fellowship at yeah. Harvard." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And okay. I was like, "You had me at Harvard." Yes. Yes, <laughs> I'm there. So, and then, I mean, again, all joking aside, to 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 your credit, you you get granted this very prestigious fellowship, yes. and you go off for a year. Yes. And luckily for the world, you get some of your thoughts together and organized <laughs> well and, and you know it's funny I actually so when I had Harvard at my back and I really I knew I would have a full year um, to kind of explore and think about these ideas more deeply it's actually when I said you know what I am going to try one more time so I had done two different startups okay. and I said I'm going to try one more time. I really think I understand the pain point. I understand. I think I have internalized our homeowners and our general contractors. Mm -hmm. And so it was actually a month before I left to go to move to Cambridge that I launched Sweden as it is the same business model, the same. We give a, it was a curated list of general contractors that we matched to the projects and followed those projects all the way to completion at the time. It was basically just a billboard website that said that. There was no right. technology behind it or right. no anything. Okay. But it was only because I knew that I had a full guaranteed year that I finally was like, I'm just going to, I have this crazy idea yes. that I think that this is what people are asking for. I think homeowners want more, they want more guidance. They want more help. Exactly. This they need, really they need hard help. Thing. They need someone to, to, to give them information about the challenges yep. they're about to face. Yep. Hiring a contractor and, and doing a renovation. But all the way till the end. Right. That's, that was the You big, staying with them all the way to the end. All the way to that the end. That was going to be the point of distinction with your company. Yes. That Sweeten was going to be there every step of the way. Exactly. Okay. So had you really had you really launched something previously and that didn't work? Or yeah. you did? Yeah. So you had launched a website that, that had a similar model. So I've always so once I realized that the customer that I wanted to serve and to, to be helpful were folks who had worked really hard to save up money to finally make a home of their own, right? right? And I wanted, I tried several different ways to help, whether it was information or I started a blog. The blog, in fact, our, what's now the Sweeten blog, started before the company. So really just trying to share information. And it wasn't until I came to this idea of the service and the technology that could support it. Okay. So, and, and was that you in the beginning? Was you were blogging about yeah. helping people with all this? Okay. Yeah. So in the beginning, yeah. you, were, you, were, you had a blog. You were sort of trying to share information about the process. Yeah. Or what you thought would be, would be helpful to people. But, but it, it's, it didn't catch on in the beginning. So the, the blog itself was helpful. The other services, so kind of similarly to some of the lead gen sites. Mm-hmm. So there was a lead gen um, idea that I had where general contractors just paid directly for the leads and it was just kind of like very transactional. Okay. There was um, essentially kind of like what House has kind of turned into just a pure inspirational site with content. That idea, I still, obviously House is, you know, killing it. They're huge and amazing. But I really do feel like that content piece Right is still not the main break point, right? The main break point still happens like when people try to hire their general contractors actually do the renovation. Right. And so that's why Sweeten service and technology focused on, on that. So at that point, did, did so you mentioned House. Yep. So House was in existence, but at the, at the time... 
house um, was just pictures of people's design projects and yeah, it was all inspirational. So. They hadn't launched e-commerce yet. They hadn't launched this referral service and all of that, yep. right? It, yep. was, it was all just inspiration. And and did HomeAdvisor, was that there at that point? Oh, well, or, I actually or think Angie's it, List? Uh, or... Service Magic, I think it was oh, called right. back okay. in the day. They, yeah, yeah. they had to change the it's name. An original. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> service Magic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't work. Okay. So, so those were kind of around, but it, okay. And Again, so, it's service magic or other lead gen sites. Right. It's transactional, right? So they, they will hear, here are some options, mm-hmm. but that was really not, yes, people needed options. They right. needed people to help them to match the right options to their projects. Mm-hmm. And then they really did need something to set standards of communication, standards of conduct, all the way through the project. Okay, so that's what you were going to bring to it. You were going to bring some structure and some organization. Exactly. All, okay, all of the things that you were talking about earlier just didn't exist. No. Right. I'm going to take a quick break so that we can pause for a word from our sponsor, but we'll be right back. To stand out in this crowded industry, you need more than a love of design. You need strategy, sales, marketing, and other things they don't teach you in design school. This episode is brought to you by Fuego, whose mission is to empower the design trade. Fuego believes that business and art can and must coexist, and they've built a platform to make that happen. Learn more at Fuego.com. And now, back to the show. So you put up this sort of bulletin board website. So this is this is 2010, 2011, roughly? So this was 2011. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is 2011, and you've got this idea. It's up. You're you're off at Harvard, right? I found so uh, Shira is a co-founder at Sweden, okay. and I think I met her maybe two weeks before I was leaving for Cambridge. Really? <laughs> yeah, and and she started as our first or my first employee. I'll okay. put it in quotes because I'm not sure. If I was like. If you were paying her, <laughs> no, and there no, was... I was definitely paying. <laughs> okay. Um, well, just compared to the setup and operates, like it was rough days. It was mostly like in a Starbucks and right. quickly being like, okay, go do this, go get this content, go blog about this, go write about this. Let's. So she and I were running it uh, for that first year, pretty much nights and weekends and between classes at Harvard and. She was in New York City and I was here. And it was Google Forms, okay, Excel spreadsheets, and a ton of email. <laughs> and and so people were would email you on the site and say, yeah, What yeah. I I, I need help their, finding a contractor? Well, you know, it's so funny. I in the tech world they always talk about um hackers. Right. Right. And people think that that's like a technical, like, oh, you have to like hack something technically. Well, there's all this great free technology that you can like hack together right. a company off of, which I did. That's what you did. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to homeowners, I think it's kind of interesting. And to our general contractors, the experience on that, their side has probably changed very little from those early days. Right. Now, obviously, we have a whole team of people now, and we have incredible technology that supports all those people. But... Hopefully, those early adopters had great experiences because what we were doing was still very much 
what we're doing now. Right. Just we didn't have sophisticated technology behind it. So, you know, I I have handwritten more thank you cards than I probably... <laughs> to, to, to clients? And yeah. To, and oh, to... yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. So so in the beginning, it's it's the two of you and you're responding to all of these inquiries yeah. that are coming in. Yeah. And and what's your what's your talent pool of, of contractors at this point? How are you even finding people? So I had a, a pretty deep Rolodex from... Uh, being here, working okay. in New York City. From all of your architectural From projects. From all my architectural okay. projects. And and then I just kept asking every general contractor that was good. We just kept saying, hey, do you know anybody else? Do you know anybody else? We have enough work here for everybody. Please keep referring mm-hmm. uh, more general contractors. And as, as the service started spreading, it started spreading via word of mouth. But we also got picked up by then Daily Candy. Oh. And so Daily Candy, a very popular blog, the, uh, in its, in email, its day and like it was an email newsletter yeah, newsletter. that would come. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 you remember it. Sure, it was great. So we got picked up by that, and we it was just like wild how many people signed up, how many projects we got, and so because we had so much work, then it spread in the general contractor community. Like these guys have a ton of work; they're really nice to work with. Right. You just have to okay. do a good job. Yes. They will set parameters and like professional standards for the projects so that will be treated well right this is from the general contractor side and so it just that it was like word of mouth within the general contracting community like come to sweeten so that's what that's fantastic so yeah. that was the impression that contractors had was that you were going to look after them and explain to clients look here's how you have to behave with a contractor here's what your expectation should be and here's how you go into starting a, a, a project. Yeah. And, okay. and same thing for the general contractors. We did it for both sides. Right. We just okay. said, listen, you both want the same thing. Mm-hmm. You want this project to go really well. You want it to be on time, on budget. Let's make that happen. Here's, here's what this side will need and here's what this side will need. And then let's talk to each other in a way that's professional and communicative. So... <laughs> So Daily Candy writes about you and suddenly things blow up. Yes. And at this point, have you have you had to seek financing of any kind to get nope. things going? You're still sort nope. of just doing it yourself. Yep. Doing it ourselves. Okay. And, you know, we ultimately um, got chosen as New York Magazine's best contractor locator, they called us. Okay. And this is 2012. And so that caused another massive, massive, <laughs> massive tidal wave of projects. And I was, again, so there was no automated technology behind it. It was all kind of hand done. Right. <laughs> and... I was really like drowning for lack of a better word. And I met what then turned into our third co-founder, Preeti, at the Kennedy School. And he's an architect by training as well. And I said, you know, like he has a background um, in philanthropic work Mm. with um, a nonprofit called Apex for Youth that he helped to build to a really giant organization. They serve thousands of kids. It's a great... um, great organization and so he had this operational experience and I was like oh my gosh you care about architecture and you have operational experience we need you come here (laughs) have we got a job for you come here let's let's go build something really big it's like architecture but it like we can do a massive scale this is gonna like this is gonna be so huge I gave him the whole pitch and fortunate he came on board and so then it was the three of us right 
but still all by hand. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is hardcore. 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 And so we graduate from our programs and the not until the summer of uh, 2013 okay. did we raise venture capital, which allowed us to get a proper developer, to build a back end, to automate a lot of the functions that we were doing. Right. But it was it was a... Uh, I still like open up Excel docs and like shake a little bit. <laughs> so it, it was a pretty rough time in, in the beginning. So, so you, so you go and you seek venture capital. So, so tell me about that. How did you know where to go and look for venture capital? Tell me what that process was so like. So we you. had actually, you know, I had always, I knew that I wanted to build something that could have a really broad reach. So some, a national or global company in some way, shape or form. And I thought that we might have to raise venture capital, but because of the model, we actually were able to bootstrap for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I was introduced to Joanne Wilson, who is a seed investor, mm-hmm. an angel investor right. in a lot of early stage companies, a lot of them led by women. And she actually owned or partially owned a general contracting firm. And so okay. I was introduced to her and she was like, you got to raise around. This is huge. You got to get more money. You could like go So faster. she could see this was going to be big. Yeah. Got to get going. She's like, raise around right okay. now. So we did. We got um, another company called Great Oaks Venture Capital here mm-hmm. in New York City. Really great firm that does marketplaces. They mm-hmm. were our seed investor. And we were off to the races. We were able to, to hire technical folks that were able to automate and just make the user experience much more seamless right. for our homeowners, for our general contractors. Yeah. And so what did your pitch deck to, <laughs> right, to, to would-be investors, yeah. Yeah. what did your pitch deck say this business was? What were you telling people you were doing? I didn't know the language exactly. Like now, it's a two-sided marketplace or network marketplace. There's all these kind of like buzzy right, things right. out there. Yeah. I've always positioned it as just once I got out of the academic. Once you got out of your own <laughs> technical, head. And, yeah. Yes. I love, there's this, um, there's a, a great blog and author, Steve Blank. And he says, get out of the building like get out of your own head like get out of the excel sheet like stop modeling it like go talk to people get feedback right so yes once i got out of the building okay i always had just talked about it as trying to solve a problem so listen general contractors are small business owners that have a really tough job Mm -hmm. right the logistical challenges of trying to get all these materials all this labor and into a property to renovate it is Mm -hmm. hard enough but the misalignment of expectations from the homeowner and the general contractor side right. make it triple hard. So we've always just been trying to figure out like how can we support the general contractors, find mm-hmm. great ones, support them, make them super successful, make them super happy. They love, our GCs love what they do. I know a lot of people are like, oh, GCs don't care. They, don't, they just want to be told what to do. Right. We just haven't found that. We yeah. found great guys who love to build. They'll talk to you about a detail, a floor detail, or how they put laid. It's just that they don't, the logistics of their business don't allow them to waste a bunch of time while you waffle about which sink you want. Right, right. That's the part that frustrates them. <laughs> That's right? the part that frustrates they them. They want to go and do their job. Yeah, they, don't they want love to be their job. They're craftsmen. Yeah. They want, they're really proud of their work. I mean, sure. my goodness. Come, come to our, we have a meet the contractor section on our blog. 
they will talk your ear off. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're, and they're very proud of the work that they very do. Very proud right? of the work. Yes. Which, very which, proud. Which is great. So did venture capitalists get that? Did they understand contractors and you the know, complexity? Of- to general contractors, you, we, we spoke in numbers. We spoke okay. of the size of the market. Okay. We spoke, you know, $300 right. billion dollars, and most of it's transacted through these very small general contractors. You know, right. 62% of all licensed general contractors, they book less than $500,000 a year. Like most GCs are small. So they are small. They're small. Okay. And so being able to support them, you know, we've always had the thesis, if you want to make homeowners happy, which is obviously like we want to make both sides happy, but we want people to have great experiences renovating. We want people to be really excited. I was, I was bummed that so many people kind of hold their nose of the process of renovating mm-hmm. just to get to the end because they're like, ugh, the actual renovation was horrible, but I love my new house. Right. But the only way to make that a homeowner happy or a business owner, we now do commercial projects as well, is by having the general contractor be supported, let him do his job, mm-hmm. get like set expectations, like yes. set him up to win, yes. and then the homeowners and the business owners will be happy. So we've we definitely have always seen that as a very distinct uh, differentiation about how we think about the market. We want to make the homeowners and general contractor or homeowners happy, but to do that, we've got to support and make the GCs really successful. So that's what really separates Sweden in your mind from, so who's your competition today? Who, who, who are you going head to head with? Uh, darling. Oh, as if I have competition, <laughs> for goodness sakes. No, but I mean, is it, I mean, is home polish, are, are they, they've come into your space yeah, recently, yeah. right? And are they? I think they do a great job. I, oh, you're so, look at you. No, I Oh, I think I, I think do. they're all great. I, I think they do a great yeah. job. I will say this. Go ahead. My makeup artist does mm. a great job. I would not ask her to do plastic surgery. Okay. Okay. So Home Polish does a great job, but you wouldn't ask them to do home renovations or... I just think it's a very, like, the GC community is a different customer and to make them successful and happy and to make a real a real dent in the industry mm. to to change the standards that all of us experience to bring mm. more transparency it's just a different it's a different role it's a different job so other competitors so i mean we we talked before about home advisor and and i mean really yeah. that's just lead generation yeah. as you said yeah, yeah. right so they're just going to send you the name of a few contractors and good luck to you uh but who else is is really sort of doing what you're doing sort of bringing the level of service and and support to to this business who are you who are you going up against when you're I- I, oh, I know, I know you oh, think I'm kidding. No one. I, no one. I, I There's know. nobody that's competing with us. I okay. just, we don't, we are in a rate, we are in a competition with ourselves at okay. Sweden. Okay. We are just always trying to do it better. Yes. I really don't. I, from a marketing standpoint, maybe sometimes I'll look, you know, I'll look at shelter publications and I'll see that, wow, everything looks so similar. Right. Like every, like now the editorial and the advertising look very similar sometimes. And like from that standpoint, I will try to like compare us, Mm -hmm. but we just don't, I don't, we don't like, we don't talk about. 
We don't talk about our competitive set. We don't. We don't look at other companies. Inside and of Sweden, see what we doing. talk about homeowners and general contractors right. all day, every day, and about how we can make the experience for both of them better, faster, easier, more enjoyable. Okay. Okay. Well, that is beautiful, Jean. Um, <laughs> tell me, me. Tell me. I've been to your office, and 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 your <laughs> office is is impressive. Uh, long hallways, tubes running through the place. Yes. Lots of projects. How many people are working with you now? How many people are in that office? So we've got about thirty plus folks that are full time. Thirty. And wow. Okay. Yeah, we've got we are we're getting a new office downtown, and we've got plans to expand pretty rapidly towards the end of this year. So. Okay. Yeah. Now, is that is that because so business is is, is going well? You're business you're expanding. Well. You're yeah. moving to new offices. <laughs> okay, and you don't have any competition apparently. Um, <laughs> is that listen? listen. <laughs> no, no. I'm Serena in her prime. I'm yes. That's what we're going for exactly. I'm making well, a big muscle right now. Exactly. I know this is radio, and, and she has big muscles, Jean. <laughs> so she really is. Um, so it is so you're. The the success of the business is is coming from you've you've you feel like you finally got a model that that is really working and 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 resonates with people now. You're able to quickly articulate what the business is about. You've you've made it worthwhile for these contractors. How do you keep the contractors loyal to you? How do you keep them coming back to you? Yeah. So our GCs, what's so interesting is over time they really begin to trust us and see us as partners in their business. And I know that that's kind of like a popular thing to say for like, you know, other companies or whatever. But um, I'm, for some reason, I'm thinking of like Uber being like, they're our partners or whatever. Right. Um, but they really do. The general contractors start to trust us. Mm-hmm. And we are their like only deal flow. Like they just do all sweetened projects. Is that right? A big, a big percentage so, so of our... So you're the lead gen. We are, we have become indispensable to them. Really? So do you have sort of big rock star general contractors that have big we, businesses? No, and- we have a bunch of really great small general, small, medium. We have a couple of large general contractors. We are doing bigger projects now. In fact, we've, we've found that in the same way that homeowners have challenges finding general contractors, mm-hmm. so do architects and interior designers. And so we've started to support them well, to find and manage great general contractors. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Because that would absolutely seem like a natural progression. Yeah. Designers, architects coming to you. So that's not been something you've been necessarily going after yet, right? It's really just sort of happening organically. Yeah, totally. Right? Okay. And and so do you find that, that there are designers involved in in most of the projects that you work on or... So the projects that originate on Sweeten, not necessarily. We actually have designers coming to us with projects that they've gotten outside of Sweeten. They okay. need Sweeten to help them find a great general contractor and then manage the project all the way till completion. So, you know, folks, I'll give you an example. Uh, we had an interior designer who was branching out into commercial spaces and didn't have commercial general contractors in their Rolodex. They right. came to okay. us. They that were like, sense. hey, I got this restaurant. I'm super excited about it. It's my first one. Can you please help me find, right. you know, I need these parameters and this. And Absolutely. We can help with that. Okay. And now that that business has started to come to you mm-hmm. naturally, is it something that is... A, a big focus for you going forward? Yeah, I mean, we love it. I, it's it's almost like a full circle. Now we're going back to small architecture firms, kind of where I started. Okay. And helping 
like I said, small architecture and interior design firms find find great GC. Well, so and is it is it limited to just general contractors for you at this point? So, are, are, have you thought about lead gen for designers, lead yeah, gen for yeah, architects? Yeah, I mean, we do. We have a small fleet of architects and interior designers that we work with. Okay, not that many of our projects start from that place again. So, our customer, the they know that they need a general contractor because mm-hmm. they know that they're not going, they are not DIY, DIY, oof, dyslexia, <laughs> DIY. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, I forgot to add that in my story. Yes, we didn't Most tell you dyslexia. that Jean actually is dyslexic <laughs> and has overcome that and look at the success she's made. Um, so, yeah, folks know that they're not going to be tiling their own bathroom, but sometimes they also do need a licensed architect to complete the project or they really do need a designer to help them to like bring to fruition this kind of concept that they got from Pinterest Mm -hmm. to go to Pinterest to punch list is kind of challenging. There's lots of steps in there. So we do do, I would say, you know, a small percentage, a small percentage of our projects are referring, are referring architects and interior designers. But that could, but that could grow in 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 the future. Sure, you're, you're open to that. Absolutely. And and you've never sort of had your own team of of people. I mean, one model would be we've got a group of general contractors and we hire them out to people. Yeah. Was that a model that you ever looked at or thought about? I mean, you know, I think that there is again. So it's a model that could work, mm-hmm. but because we want to try to help as many people as possible, that's a hard model to scale. Right. It's a really hard model to scale. And so we've always set our expectations and our sights um, on something a little bit okay. more broad. Okay. And so for the for venture capitalists, they need your business to be able to scale in a big way, right? Because they don't want to invest in anything that's just going to be some small mom-and-pop contracting business, right? So you've told them that this is going to be so big, right? You have no idea how big this is going to get. I'm bringing you to my next pitch <laughs> yes. meeting. I'm, I'm going to be, it's oh. going to be huge. I'm going to help you with the next pitch. I love it. So speaking of which, so I mean, you've raised about $10 million at this point, right? Give or take. Maybe there's secret money you haven't told me about. Give or take uh, a few million. Give or take a few million. It's nothing, you know, yeah. But so at this point, do, do you do you need to, to raise more money again, or, or are you growing so much internally that you're able to sort of grow where you need to? You know, it's we're in a great spot right now, and if I see more opportunities to move more quickly, I'll definitely go after them. Okay. But we're in a great spot right now, and okay. I will I will say that, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think okay. of like... No, I don't want to interrupt no, I, venture capital, venture Raising venture capital is such a hot topic right now. And I yes. think that people think that it is the end all and be all. Hmm. I just, I, I get worried when, and I certainly wouldn't want anyone who's listening to this to think that raising venture capital is the goal. Now it's, it's, something that you need to do to build a big company. But the right. goal is to build a big company that scales, that helps millions of people. Like mm-hmm. too often I hear people talk about the ability to raise capital as if that is synonymous with making a strong, viable company. Right. And those two are like not, I mean, you can see, like, do you remember the company Color? Like $48 million later, gone. Sure. And we've got plenty of other examples. 
No, 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 absolutely. And, and, and many of the CEOs that I've spoken to say that they deliberately waited as long as they could to yeah. raise venture capital money because so much changes once you start to have investors. Totally. Right? Totally. And their expectations and the metrics that you have to meet, and I don't need to, to tell you. But, yeah. but you're not feeling tremendous pressure at this point from your investors. You're, you're growing. Are you, are you exceeding the expectations? I mean, I feel like you are. You seem very happy. <laughs> so I feel like you must be doing well. And, and, doing well and, doing and well. Warren Buffett is inviting you into <laughs> chat. So, Warren I mean, that, me. that is obviously he must oh. think, wait a second, this company's doing great. So tell me what you are. You are going to, to Berkshire Hathaway. Yes, one yes? of my investors. So this is a great, this is a great investor story. So one of my okay. investors invited me and some other CEOs to go for the weekend to really Warren Buffett did not invite us. And it's no, just a I'm group totally teasing. <laughs> just to clarify. Yes. And it's around this idea of of value-based leadership and value investing, as we kind of were talking about before, right. and this is kind of why it was on my mind. Sure. Building sustainable, profitable companies. In, in durable companies is the goal and venture capital is one path a way to capitalize your business for right. that growth right there's tons of ways to get there i mean remember venture capital didn't exist until the 70s like <laughs> there are plenty yeah. of, there are plenty of successful right. businesses massive maybe not as massive in scale but massive companies that existed before you used to have to go to the loan sharks to raise your <laughs> raise your money thank goodness you didn't have to go through well, that yeah or yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or other channels. No, but back in the day, right. I mean, it was your family was helping or it was, uh, you know, Or you just grew more slow. Like you, you had to grow more slowly. Organically or to, over time. Exactly. Or yes. you, it's, the goal is to, is the business. Right. The goal is not fundraising. Right. The goal is so. to get the business growing on its own. And it sounds like it is. So right now, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Philadelphia, Yes. Right. So what's so what's the ne that's where you are now. Yes. What's the next big target for you? Where are you going? You know, well, we're kind of spreading up and down the eastern seaboard. Okay. Um, we are looking for our next cities. I think we are looking at eight additional markets, and we TBD on which specific ones they'll be. Okay. But we get we would get requests pretty much from every. Every city. From from all over. All over. And, and is that part of what's ultimately going to drive that decision is, is sort of where you're getting the most interest or requests coming from? Or is it? Yeah, I yeah? think so. And do people do people have to be there? I mean, so so let, let's explain a little bit more fully how you sure. follow up with jobs. Sure. Because part of, again, what you've talked about, what makes you different is that Sweeten not only puts you together with the general contractor, but then you're going to follow up every step of the way yeah, and yeah. make sure it's it's going along properly. Is that obviously not you in your yellow hard hat, uh, going to all the job sites, just Savannah Guthrie's job sites. Those you go to. But it's referring to the Today Show. Yes. Gene uh, was on the Today Show with Savannah Guthrie, and they were both wearing yellow hard hats and walking through the, the job site. But you can't do that with every job. So yeah. does a member of your team go to every job, or do you call so, people, ask them how it's going? A member of my team is aware of every project that's going on. So no, it's not me, unfortunately, walking through. Every, yeah. every job site but we do it's not you know I think um, 
especially technology companies, they talk about users. Like, ooh, what a terrible <laughs> word, users. Right. We talk about like, oh, Julie's apartment or, you know, someone in my company knows So it's you. very personal. Somebody yes, knows who name. these people are. We know, and, we know right. our general contractors. We know, yes. Like, we have set up a structure. And again, this is what's so incredible about the technology. Once we automated so much of the kind of transactional emails mm-hmm. that needed to go back and forth or the check-ins that needed to happen then it really allows people to build much more personal relationships because the time allows for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we know some, someone will know when your project is supposed to start, be able to follow up either by phone, email, text, and your general contractor is keeping us, even if we, even if you don't respond to us, because sometimes homeowners are like, oh, whatever, I'm, I don't need sure, to. Sure, I'm busy. I can't, Sweeten can't is, call you back. Sweeten was great. They found me a great general contractor. He's doing a great job. See ya. Right. I'm like, okay, okay. great. <laughs> but you're still checking in with the contractor. We are still checking in with our contractors. Right. Okay. So you I mean, know we, where the job is. We know where the job is. Right. Okay. How much business is flowing through Sweeten right now? It's some huge number, right? Go ahead. Throw a big, <laughs> throw a big number out there. So we, we've had... Hundreds, hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions of dollars go yes. through the platform. So wow. we're, we're, I think we just crossed over a billion. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if we're quite, quite, quite there yet. Okay. Uh, but we're real close. Wow. That, so that's amazing. So a billion dollars, my goodness. And so ultimately, blue sky, the future of, of Sweden for us. So what's, what's Sweden going to grow into? You know, I, the path to get there, I would not be able to describe my team and we have okay. an awesome, awesome, awesome team in place that can give you very fine details if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> okay. But I, my hope yeah. is that anyone doing a renovation in the future, mm. so let's say five or 10 years from now, they will come to Sweeten as a resource to help them. Now, whether they use one of our general contractors, whether they use some of our information, right. whether they help the standard, use the standards that we've set mm-hmm. for professional expectations, they use that on their own project. That's that, that nothing would make me more happy. Okay. But so everyone who's doing a project ultimately to come through, through Sweden would be your, your goal to use Sweden, across the country, around the Sweden, world, to use Sweden to help them to understand the process. Now, right. whether or not we actually can help facilitate your renovation, mm-hmm. but I hope that we're providing enough value in collecting the data and sharing that data. If you go to our blog, you'll see everything we learn about best practices for renovating. We try to pump right back into the system. Well, so we try to share all of that information. So, Wherever you are, you can go to our blog and read about anything that we've learned, we've put up there. We share our answers because we really do want to make the experience of renovating better for both sides. Yes. And and you've obviously done an effective job of positioning yourself as an authority in this field by sharing all of this great content. I know you have cost guides in cities. I was just reading the prohibitive cost of renovating in Westchester where I live, sadly, and hold off on that extra bathroom, darling, because I just read on Sweden how much it's going to cost us. But but that is a but that is a very su- successful, obviously, way to to share how much you know about the industry and, and the projects that you've done. And I assume a lot of homeowners love having their projects shared on your website yeah, and the before yeah. and after pictures, right? People love, I mean... And the contractors probably love that, too, showing their work. They love it. <laughs> they love it. And 
homeowners love sharing their stories. They love, right. it's just, you know, there's like so many sites that are for weddings or for your baby or for, but there's not really a place where everybody can share their renovation and people are so proud of it. Yeah. It took so much to get it done. Not, not the renovation part, but like saving the money for the house, buying the house, figuring out what, how you wanted it to look, all these steps that it took to get there. And then for the general contractors, they never get any shine. I mean, very rarely do right. they get any shine. Right. Yeah. And so any... That's a great point. All the shelter books, you know, <laughs> oh it's God, never, you never. never list who the general contractor never. was or, yeah. So they love their, yeah. they, RGCs, they're great guys. We do have some women, great guys and girls. Yes. And yeah, we love, we love highlighting. We just, we have a video series coming out soon, the day in the life where we follow our general contractors around oh, and fantastic. you can really understand what their day looks like. Yeah, they love it. They don't, they get, they get very little shine. So we're so happy to share. So that, that's great. And, and people really seem interested in following along. You have a massive following on Instagram. I mean, it's, uh, it's obvious that a lot of people love your your content and are highly engaged by it, and I see a lot of people pick it up on online. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's obviously great for you. And it's, uh, oh, go, ahead. I was, no, go ahead. I was going to say it's funny because the the content piece it's almost um, it is not the the focus. It's not the product. It's not mm. what we went into the business to do. It just yeah. happens to happen. And I I, I want to say the word byproduct, but that's not the right idea. Right. But. We just, we do thousands of renovations all the time. And so I love that every single day it's like a conveyor belt of like after photos just like um, through the platform because we're, we're monitoring the projects all the way to completion. So we have all the, we have all the befores, the durings, the afters, we have all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people love that. People love to see the before and afters. It, it was always the big issue of Architectural Digest was always the before and after totally. issue, right? Because totally. people love that. Uh, and, I, and I get it. And, it. and it is fun. And I guess my last question to you, because I know you have to get going to get to Warren Buffett. But, um, but yes, hold, hold the jet, darling. Yes, yes. Uh, the Oracle of Omaha will just have to wait uh, because we have one more. So, I mean, was there a, was there a moment? So you, you had so many stops and, and starts and yeah. we've and we've glossed over a lot of it, obviously. But I mean, I know that there were times when you must have just been at, at wit's end with the with the whole thing. Was was there a moment that you really knew that this was going to to work? This was really going to resonate with people that that made you say yes. This is the this is the turning point for for Sweden. We're this is going to work. I'll let you know when I get there. Really? <laughs> but, but now you're you must be convinced now that you've got traction. You know, you've it's got. Not, it was always so clear. The solution was always so clear in for my you, mind. For yeah. You. Okay. That. I said this recently, so we have, you know, the Today Show that you mentioned, right. we have been, Which we've been getting for you. Yeah. amazing amount of really great coverage, I'm sure. and Randy McCall, who you know. Randy McCall, who we can't say enough good things <laughs> well, we about. We cannot say enough good things marketing about. Marketing genius. She is a marketing genius. Yeah, I, and I agree. we have been really fortunate to have her on the team now, and we're getting all this press and, and just really good pickups and stuff. But in some ways, it kind of feels like we were all at our desk working all this time and mm-hmm. then people noticed 
and maybe they will notice in the future, maybe they won't, but we'll still kind of be doing the same thing. Okay. So you feel like nothing changed <laughs> yeah, for so you. Yeah, so I don't It all just like, caught on. And, I right. Okay. Like, it, like, it's kind of similar to the way that I'm saying about competition. Like, yeah. we've just been, we set out this, the Sweeten team has set out this really challenging problems for ourselves, and we just keep trying to solve it. And yeah, so it doesn't. And I that's what's made you successful is just continuing to focus on making the business work better. Yeah. Yeah. And and so the the moment when I feel like it's done, it, that doesn't exist. Or the right. moment we I feel like we've made it, it just won't because we can always we're, we'll always be the the challenge that we set for ourselves is infinite. Okay. Okay. Well, that those are those are big goals, infinity. Um, but uh, listen, there's always there is always another place where a renovation is going on, and it could be better or smoother or more cost efficient or a better experience. Right. We can share that information in a different way. There's there's tons of work to be done in this industry. It is so, it is so opaque. The process of renovating is so opaque. It is opaque yes. for everyone. Whether you've been, you know, in this industry for 40 years sure. or you're just starting, it is an opaque market. And so to try to bring more transparency, more information, more process flow right. and just more successful renovations. That's, we got, we got, we got plenty of work. Don't worry plenty about Plenty of us. work to do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you'll keep at it until the industry is no longer opaque. That's going to be the goal. All right. And, and to be a part of every project going forward. Another, another big goal. To help set standards for the industry. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, it seems like who better, who better than you to, to help with all of that. So, uh, thank, thank you, Jean, so much. I really appreciate you making the time. My guest has been Jean Brownhill, founder and CEO of Sweden. Oh, and, and Warren Buffett's best friend, obviously. BFF with Warren Buffett. <laughs> and um, she's all about value investing. That'll be our next show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This Thank was really you, fun. It was great. Thank you again for joining us. The show is Business of Home, and I'm Dennis Scully. If you like what you hear, please feel free to subscribe. And most of all, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps to grow our audience. Thanks again to our sponsor and our producer, you can find us on editor at or Facebook or Instagram. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>